And welcome to Friends of Brother Adam. My name is Dennis and I'll be your host today. We are going to be chatting a little bit more about certified beekeeping technician. Of course, uh, I need to tell you that at the end of this uh, bunch of recordings, you're definitely not going to be receiving a certificate. However, this is for your own use and, and learning. And I hope you guys uh, take advantage of this and uh, um, pick up some of the stuff that, that uh, comes from the actual course material and from some of my experiences. I really enjoy doing this for you guys and, and I'm hoping that uh, it is creating some value for you. Um, I would like to encourage you to drop by my Patreon site. Um, details will be put in later, not right now, put in later for um, how to get onto my Patreon site. Um, again, I've set the uh, limit to $5 a month, and uh, it's more or less just uh, people showing me that they appreciate uh, what I do and, and uh, the effort that I put into these, uh, these lessons. Um, I am a beekeeper of six some years, and I have um, at uh, many times been up to 50 hives. Um, I consider myself uh, a sideliner, which is uh, a little bit more than a hobby, but a little bit less than um, one of these super big places. Um, and uh, I don't necessarily, like I have gone out and tried uh, pollination. Um, however, with the uh, small amount of hives that I had, pollination was rather rough. Um, and I didn't have all the equipment that I needed in order to uh, transport and, and do all the things that I needed to do. So um, I have left pollination and gotten more into um, trying to uh, raise queens and sell queens um, in, in the beekeeping business. The money is not in making honey. Uh, the money is... Um, you get lost in making money with uh, pollination contracts. Um, you start making business decisions that aren't necessarily good for the bees, but they're good for your bottom line. And uh, it, that's just the nature of the business. Um, and uh, when you're when you're in the breeding area, when you are uh, making hives, when you're making queens and uh, selling them, you're a little bit more into the um, into the genetics, into taking care of the bee because the bee is your business and unless you have really good genetics, unless you have really good hives that you're selling, unless you're able to control the diseases and things that are coming through, you don't have return customers. So that's where I am and that's that's where I'm coming from. However, as I've been teaching beekeeping, I have been able to teach from several different methods. Um, I, I have had uh, students who were, as I call them, total granolas. Um, they uh, are there for, literally just there for the bees. Um, they want to leave the honey to the bees. They want to do things as naturally as you can, essentially mimic the tree. And they want to, um, uh, decrease the amount of treatments that they do to their bees and, and a lot of times they'll just let the uh, the diseases and illnesses kill off their bees and go you know 
um, get newbies and uh, in, in the hopes that somehow they're building some sort of resistance to the uh, uh, illnesses that the bees have and to the pests that the bees are, are uh, suffering and, and that somehow you'll get strong bees and if you have a hive that comes through a, a certain illness then you're strengthening the, uh, the genetics and the uh, selection of the bees. And uh, I've taught them how to do beekeeping. I have gone and taught uh, people who honestly just want two or three hives and they want to throw flow hives on and not do anything with the bees. Um, I've taught uh, uh, some people how to how to raise hives and stuff and they've gone out and actually started doing the pollinations and good on them <laughs> and uh, they're making more money than I am obviously um, but uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm just kind of stuck here right now um, learning how to um, be a better uh, <laughs> a better bee rancher I guess <laughs> and uh, and learning how to assemble um, hives and sell hives and and um, figuring out how to have better genetics and and which which bees that I want which uh, type of bees that I want and and um, figuring out how to encourage uh, the queens to um, be raised and to to be able to sell queens as well as my my hope so anyways that's where we're coming from that's where we are um, and uh, I'm doing this right now at uh, <laughs> I'm doing this right now in my in my spare time at um, where I am employed and uh, so just to give you an awareness of where I am doing this, um, I don't necessarily have control over um, telephones ringing and uh, other things happening because um, I have to be available for the, the, the business. However, I have a lot of spare time that I'm able to um, double task and, and be able to teach you guys while I'm sitting here. So. Um, I apologize in advance if you hear bedoops or rings or that kind of stuff and hopefully um, I can maybe edit them out but I'm really not good at the editing just yet so I'm, I'm working on it we're getting there and uh, hopefully we can have a, a really good time here and, and that you guys can learn things um, we are going to go all the way back to the basics today we're going to start on a new uh, area this is b9 um, demonstrate understanding of basic bee biology and behavior and for some people you know this is not the most funnest time <laughs> and i use that term as my uh, my honey uses it <laughs> she likes to have interesting english but this is not the the you know greatest time um, as as a, a medic when I was learning uh, um, anatomy and physiology oh that was just like pull my teeth out please pull my hair out something because <laughs> this is just boring as hell but 
it's the basis of uh, what you're going to be doing with your bees and so if you don't understand um, some of the processes and why they're important and why they're important for you to understand then really what ends up happening is is you aren't doing what's best for the bees so lend an ear and if you're a veteran beekeeper you probably know most of this stuff but there might be a tidbit of stuff here and there that you might be able to pick up so we will without further ado jump into it <clears throat> so we're going to be talking about in general what is a bee so a bee is an animal it's an insect um, it's livestock right it's uh, um, uh, one of God's creatures that uh, has a definite um, responsibility and need in the environment um, it, it wasn't a mosquito that you know God just kind of said hey, let's screw with people and let's make this awful blood-sucking animal um, but no bees are are very useful um, they are a type of insect that that um, is um, I don't know it's one of its insects are the largest group of organisms on earth and and bees are quite a large number of that um, and they are measured either in the number of individuals or the number of species um, and so you know when we look at bees we're not just looking at that bee on that flower we're looking at bees in a group as an organism and there are thousands of bees in that organism um, bees tend to break down their tasks um, by ages so if you have a young um, house bee uh, that's usually less than two weeks of age since he came out of his cocoon and he, that bee and it should be a she not a he that bee is um, one that goes and takes um, nectar and puts it where it needs to go that bee is one that feeds the queen with uh, royal jelly that bee is you know has so many different things that, that that age of bee does but if you were just to look at that age of bee it does not do all of the different things that a bee does so it's it's measured as a lot of times as an organism you can look at them individually you can treat them individually however it just doesn't make any sense 95% um, of all animal species on the earth are insects. Insects are found everywhere on the planet's surface from very cold to very warm regions. Social insects, and that's what we're talking about with bees, make up about as much as 20% of the total animal biomass of the planet. Insects are very diverse in size, form, Insects vary from 0 0.01 millimeters up to 30 centimeters in length of wingspan. So quite a, quite a difference there. All insects have four common characteristics. They have three body parts, six jointed legs, two antennae, and 
an exoskeleton. Okay, so if we were to sit down and, and talk about all these different characteristics, um, the fact that they have three body parts, their, their body is separated into those three body parts, um, and the six jointed legs are, are very important as well. We'll see that in a little bit. Um, two antenna and an exoskeleton. And bees do have an exoskeleton on um, their legs and on um, their head. And yeah, so th they do have an exoskeleton. Some insects are beneficial, some are pests, most are neither. So, <laughs> yeah, um, bees are beneficial. Bees can be pests. <laughs> and uh, spiders and mites are not insects. They fall under a different class. So we're supposed to talk about insects that can be found locally. And we're supposed to talk about whether they can be beneficial or a pest. So already we've talked about uh, mosquitoes. <laughs> mosquitoes are a damn pest <laughs> and they carry diseases and I really don't know if they really do any good other than accidentally pollinating some flowers. <laughs> they, they really don't do the pollination. Their whole entire thing is uh, um, getting enough blood meal so that they can um, produce babies. Um, and, uh, of course, we've talked about bees a little bit. Um, what are some other insects? Let's just, I don't know. I, I really like the praying mantis. And uh, I don't know if a praying mantis can be uh, a pest. I suppose it can if, if it gets into your cereal or <laughs> goes to places where it shouldn't be. Um, But uh, praying mantises keep down insect populations because they eat a ton. And dang, they're just cool. They're my favorite insect. <laughs> just from their looks, they're just like, <laughs> really cool. Um, uh, I don't know, beetles. You look at beetles. Um, beetles, when they're, when they're, Larvae, um, beetles will uh, eat dead carcasses. They will, um, they're, they're, uh, they're both a pest and also beneficial. Um, flies, uh, flies dispose of uh, dead things as well as larvae and uh, they're partially beneficial but then again they're definite pest you know <laughs> i've had uh, fly murdering sprees in my household the old newspaper comes out and we go after the flies so yeah they're definitely a pest um, wasps are wasps a pest and this is something as a beekeeper that really becomes um, it really wakes you up, okay? So wasps are a species that we call an indicator species. So 
they indicate that something is going wrong in your hive. If you're having a wasp problem, it's not necessarily because there are tons and tons of wasps out there. It might be, but it's not necessarily that there are um, 100 different hives all over the place and they're just attacking your bees. No, they're an indicator species. So if you see um, that the bees are allowing the wasps to go in and uh, raid the hives out, what that should tell you is that particular hive is dead and it doesn't know it. <laughs> um, and uh, you can rescue a hive from wasp um, ravages and you can try and, and bring it through its problems. Um, one of the w ways that we do that is we uh, stop up the hive and we put the hive, so we put a screen in front of the entrance and we block off the hive but have air circulation still going through the hive and we put it in the dark and any wasps that are still in there the bees will get them roll them ball them up and kill them and you leave them in the dark in a in a dark cool place for three to five days um, you can put a feeder on top and feed them so that they aren't using up their stores because more than likely their stores are pretty low. And uh, you can keep them there from three, three to five days without any problem. And then I would take them and put them in a place that is, was not their usual place. So I would move them to another apiary. And uh, what you're doing there is, first of all, you're stopping the the wasps from ravaging and what wasps do inside of a hive is they go in and they're after the brood um, very rarely will they just snack on the honey um, they're after the brood because here's the dealio with uh, wasps is um, they have to be incentivized to do what they do to raise their children um, they're really not good parents um, the babies have to bribe them with uh, something akin to royal jelly um, and the babies only give off that royal jelly to them if they bring them protein. So wasps go out and bring back protein to their babies and get that sweet yummy stuff and it just they go back out and go get some more protein because they just love that yummy stuff. So. Um, when a wasp goes into your hive, it's after the babies. So you're going to have to, with that hive, you're going to have to encourage uh, baby making afterwards. So you're going to be encouraging it by putting protein in the hive, which is a protein patty. You're going to be encouraging them to stay in the hive and rear their, or <laughs> rear their brood by adding uh, um, sugar or, or sugar water in the hive. Um, so that they don't have to go outside and find it and they can use more of their workforce inside the hive in order to increase the population. Um, and whether it was because of disease that the population dropped down low enough that the, the wasps weren't being uh, balled up immediately or, or chewed up immediately upon coming in or whether or not it was um, just that it's a really young hive and, and had too many openings that it couldn't guard or whatever it may be. Um, um, once you increase the population, most times you decrease the need to 
um, hide them again away from wasps because they now have the ability to kick them out. So that's one of the mind changes that comes about when you start looking at whether or not they're beneficial or not beneficial. Um, wasps are beneficial in that they signal that something's wrong with that hive. And um, unfortunately, we as beekeepers, we can't go and smell what's going on in the hive because a lot of the information that's happening in the hive happens from pheromones and the smell in the hive. Um, we can't really sense the vibrations in the hive and some of the communication happens through vibrations inside the hive. We really are a very outside um, entity from that hive and so in order for us to be able to understand the needs of our livestock we're going to have to need to use these indicator species that help us understand what's going on in the hive and we also worry about uh, behavior of the insects so that really gives us an idea um, all right given samples of honeybees paper and pen and magnifier identify the cast of each sample discuss the anatomy of the honeybee and explain the functions of each body part Okay, so this is going to be difficult over a podcast. So um, I, I guess the best thing I can do is, is just go through and kind of describe what you're going to be looking at. So I'm going to want you to pull up on your internet browser um, different casts of bees. And cast is spelled, let me see here. Uh -uh -uh. C-A-S-T-E. So it's not a it's not a regularly used <laughs> English word, so cast C A S T E. And um, what I'm going to do is I am going to pull from Beekeeping for Dummies, which is the first book that I actually bought. <laughs> with uh, beekeeping because well you know it's um it's bubblegum and popsicles it's it really goes over the brief thing it's not actual real food um the real the real meat of the the um beekeeping however it is definite bubblegum and popsicles and and it'll it'll get you interested in it and get you working on it so here it says there are three different casts of workers or three different castes. There's the worker, queen, and the drone, and they make up the total population of a beehive. Each has its own characteristic and roles and responsibilities, and upon closer examination, the three types of bees even look a little different. They, they look a lot different, let me tell you. Um, and being able to distinguish one from another is important. So let's talk a little bit about the queen. Um, it says here, Her Majesty the Queen Bee, let there be no mistake about it, the Queen Bee is the heart and soul of the co colony. She is the reason for nearly everything the rest of the co colony does. Um, I would take <laughs> umbrage with that, but let's, let's continue and I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit later about that. Um, the Queen is the only bee without uh, which the rest of the colony cannot survive. That is true. 
with without her your hive is sunk and um, without her if you do have eggs and you're and they're able to change what they're feeding the uh, the, the larva um, they're able to make an emergency queen um, but that will set your hive back a month month and a half so um, and up here in Canada time is life for bees so and having a good quality queen means having a strong and productive hive and that's why for example what I'm trying to do you know breeding queens and selling queens and breeding colonies and selling colonies if I can find a hive that has a good queen I will make um, uh, baby queens off of her genetics all day long because that will get me the best queen that I can possibly have. Um, only one queen leaves, uh, lives in a given hive and that's not true. You can have mother and daughter but she is the largest bee in the colony with a long graceful body. Oh my gosh. She is the only female with developed ovaries, yes. And the queen, the queen's two primary purposes are to produce chemical scents that help regulate the colony, and the colony and the unity of the colony, and to lay eggs, lots of them. She's capable of producing more than 1,500 eggs a day at 30-second intervals. That many eggs are more than her body weight. So as she's making them, <laughs> you know, in a day those many eggs are more than her body weight. Now let's go over some of the inconsistencies here. Only one queen lives in a hive? No. You get uh, mother-daughter pairs and you get the the bees will actually sequester a, a queen until she's needed and uh, or until they want to swarm. So they'll actually um, put the lid back over top of the the queen and keep her stuck in that uh, that um, cell until she is needed for a swarm or until she's needed and they'll open it up and they'll feed her and then they'll close it back up and keep her there um, also a mother-daughter pair will happen in a colony where um, the bees haven't been able to swarm and so the mother works in one area the daughter works in another area and they've got enough of the common scent that they don't really you, you know end up fighting and so uh, you do get that and you can put in a hive if you separate with a queen excluder um, with a little bit of space in between the queen excluder and put another queen excluder um, you can have one hive on top of the other hive and have queens in both of them so and and but the hive is joined and the hive shares workers and the hive can really the the double hive can really progress well so it's not necessarily true that you have only one queen in in the hive um, her body if if I had to sit and describe her body um, she has a long backside and a pointed backside and then her wings are smaller than what you would think a body like that would need um, and why that is is because the queen um, doesn't come to the hive that way the queen comes to the hive um, from mating and she's smaller 
and uh, after mating then her abdomen uh, fills out and then um, in long or gets longer and fills out and uh, you'll also know notice that on her back she has a kind of a bald spot on her thorax on the the middle part of the body of the three sections and that is because the it's usually covered with uh, little tiny bee hairs but the bees tend to pluck it off and uh, and then um, another characteristic that you will find is that um, and, and this is not actually a characteristic of her but a characteristic of how the other bees treat her is they will be pointed a lot of times the bees will be pointed towards her and she'll be in the center of a group of bees and the bees will be coming up and, and licking her body and taking that pheromone from the lick and going back and putting it in the rest of the hive passing it on to other bees chewing it in the wax and so they constantly preen her and lick her and feed her and uh, take care of all of her needs so that's a queen let's talk a little bit about a worker bee now Queen bee, of course, is a fertilized, um, fertilized bee, and um, let's go back to, to queen. She is mated with up to 15 different mates, 15 different males, and she um, is able to make both uh, worker bees and she is able to lay eggs for males, okay? so. The worker bee is not fertilized. It is a not fertilized female bee. And the majority of the hive's population consists of worker bees. Like the queen, worker bees are all female. Workers are smaller than a queen. Their abdomens are shorter. And on their hind legs, they possess pollen baskets, which the queen does not. Um, and they are used to tote pollen back from the field. Now they're not actually baskets. We like to we like to term them baskets because that's as best as we can describe them. They're actually just a, a group of hairs that are used to contain with inside inside the the curvature of the hair the pollen inside of there. So um, they're used. Um, they are. Like the queen, the worker bee it has a stinger. Oh, and that's something that we forgot to talk about with the queen. The queen's stinger is a straight stinger. So when the queen stings, she only stings one of her sisters. So she'll usually only sting another queen. And because of that, she doesn't want to lose her stinger because when a bee loses their stinger, it usually pulls out their guts with them. Uh, with the stinger and so a lot of times that causes bee death so the queen is very important you don't want to kill her off so her 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 stinger does not have a barb the worker bees stinger is like two mm, I guess you put uh, it's like uh, two steak knives put back to back so that the jagged areas are pointed out and uh, when this when the worker stings you there um, those two steak knives uh, kind of saw back and forth and um, and it works independently of 
the bee's body. So when the stinger goes in the skin and the bee pulls away, it continues to work. It has a muscle behind it that continues to work and that pulls the stinger deeper and deeper into the victim. And um, along with that stinger, a uh, poison sac gets pulled out and that's one of the reasons why the bee dies is because it, it essentially rips out its guts type of thing and uh, and that poison sac keeps pumping so it's pumping the whole time that the the um, the steak knives are, are going back and forth and digging deeper and deeper into the skin so um, if you can get it out sooner than later that's a good thing and um, if you can scrape it so that you don't squish the venom sac and squish this the venom into you that's even better um, so I guess you just you just notice the worker bee as the most <laughs> common bee inside of a hive that you're looking at when you're looking at a at a flower with a bee landing on it um, the uh, you won't find a drone, a boy bee, usually on a flower at all. Um, drones are kind of lazy and they eat back at the hive, they don't eat at the flower. So um, usually you won't find a drone on the flower. And that's another reason why they are so important is they are the worker class. They are the ones that go out and do all the, the work and the business and uh, yeah they're they're essential to a hive um, another thing that you need to know about workers is workers tend to be um, workers tend to be the ones that are actually in charge of the hive i i know that when we talked about the queen we said that she's in charge of the hive because she gives off pheromones that pheromones gets passed around the hive but the the workers are actually in charge of the hive. They're the ones who decide whether or not the queen is laying, whether or not the queen looks and smells good. Um, if your queen ends up missing a leg or two, they'll actually say, okay, queenie, you're done. Um, you know, um, if she was not mated properly and the workers start noticing that she's only putting out drones, uh, they'll get rid of her too. Um, if she is mated with one of her brothers, so she is cross-mated with somebody that, um, or with a bee that she has uh, um, infertile eggs, they figure that out by the smell of it and they remove the eggs and a lot of times they'll get rid of the queen as well as soon as they can find uh, um, an egg that will be a suitable replacement queen so they are actually the ones in charge so let's jump on to the drone bee the only male bee in the colony is a drone um, drones make up a relatively small percentage during during the year however they do increase in percentage during a certain part of the year and that's when they are needed um, actually they're they're made several weeks before they're needed so that they have um, full maturity by time the queen catches up to them. Um, new beekeepers often mistake the drone for a queen because the drone is quite a big bee. 
but he is larger and stouter than a work bee. Um, his butt is kind of rounded instead of pointed like the queen is and uh, he's shaped more like a barrel than the queen. Um, the queen is kind of thinner and has a tapered uh, end to her. Um, the drone's eyes are huge and seem to cover his whole entire head. He doesn't forage for food from flowers like we were talking about. He has no pollen baskets. He doesn't help with the building of the comb um, uh, because he has no wax producing glands. Okay, so essentially they're built for one purpose. Um, that's mating. Nor can the drone bee help defend the hive. He has no stinger. And that's one of the reasons why we, um, as uh, teachers of beekeeping, encourage you to pick on the drones. So um, one of the things that we end up doing in beekeeping is a lot of times we'll have to capture the queen. And it, it's a difficult thing to do. And so we encourage our students to, to practice on catching drones because they don't have a stinger and we also practice um, marking bees with excuse me the bee marking pens um, a lot of times you mark your queens with a like a white dot or a yellow dot or a different colored dot depending on the year and um, we encourage our, our students to, to practice on drones um, because you can actually drown your queen in ink and that's not a good thing because queen is a one-of-a-kind thing and you'll set your hive back a whole entire month and a half if you drowned your queen that way so been there done that you don't want to do that <laughs> um, so and and that's this is something that I didn't really understand is that they don't have wax producing glands Wow so um, bees produce wax on, on the bottom of their body on a plate and then they pull off of the plate that, that flake and they chew it and they make the wax. So, so drones don't do that. Um, he has no stinger. Um, an organ inside the queen called a spermatheca, uh, I can't ever say this, spermatheca. Sperm, spermatica, yeah, there we go, spermatica, is the receptacle for the sperm. The queens will mate with several drones, 15 um, or more, during their nuptial flight. After mating with the queen, the drone's most personal apparatus is torn away and the bee falls to its death. So literally, drones are made for one thing, mating. And... Uh, <sighs> Drones are an expense that the hive does not make lightly, um, so they will not grow, um, they will not have drones around unless it's something that's needed. And it's a myth that during the winter time, the workers chase out all of the drones and don't let them back. They do chase out a few, but um, because nature is the way that it is, it wants to have some insurance. So sometimes it will keep drones over the winter in the hive. And that's that's just nature's way of ensuring that, that things go correctly. Um, what happens if they get to the spring and um, their queen ends up dying in the spring and they have um, a few eggs they will need to have a, a drone already done because 
you know they they uh, they need to be able to have something to mate the new queen even though it's not mating season just yet so <laughs> yeah so they will have 15 or 20 some drones hanging around inside the the hive just in case so that's that that's something that you need to know about drones and and looking at the drones um they're they're they've got um they're they're very fuzzy bees <laughs> so they don't necessarily have the uh bald spot as the queen does on the thorax however it is a darker area and um, occasionally um, when they are being pushed out of the hive occasionally the the workers will actually start picking the um, hair off the <laughs> drone just to piss it off to get it out of the hive so <laughs> uh, yeah it's it's one of the things that we uh, <laughs> that we see so that's kind of an explanation of what they look like um, and it's really hard to do over a podcast but it gives you an idea that when you poke your head in a hive and you start looking at um, at frames and stuff you'll start realizing okay yeah that's that's a drone that's a queen that's a worker and you'll be able to to pick them out and unfortunately you need to be in your hive every other day and checking things out and trying to find the queen as much as you can um, just so that you recognize what the queen looks like it really helps the newbie beekeepers if you put a dot on your queen um, so that they can go oh i'm looking for a red dot this year okay let's look for a red dot on a bee oh there it is right there it makes it a whole lot easier to find um, however um, you as a beekeeper cannot rely on something like that um, in order to recognize your your the sex of your bees um, you will and i promise you will get to the point where you will notice the queen by the action of the other bees around it you will notice the queen because something just jumps out at you and says there's the queen i don't know what it is but um, I've been able to um, go up to a swarm that is just hanging on a tree and uh, observe it for a little bit and sometimes the queen comes to the surface outside of the ball and you're like oh, there she is and you'll be able to just pick her up and put her into a queen cage put her inside the uh, the nuke that you're going to be pouring all the bees into and slide the nuke over and put the lid on it and they'll figure out that they don't have a queen and then they'll start looking for the queen they'll find her in the box and everybody will go into the box so I mean you'll get to the point where you're able to just go oh, there it is and be able to grab the queen and, and take care of the queen and put her in a, a queen box and, and put her away um, other other times you know you can open up a hive and go holy cow there are at least 400 drones in here. Hmm, wonder what's happening in this hive. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if, if you have a laying worker, and that's another, another little tidbit, if workers decide that they want to become a queen because the queen has left or something like that, workers are able to lay eggs. Um, however, they have not been fertilized, so the only eggs that they're able to lay are drones. And that's a way of perpetuating the uh, 
um, the genes of the hive is they put out a lot of drones and the drones will just sit there with the queen or with the uh, with the workers and they'll munch up the honey until the honey is all gone and and hopefully in the meantime they'll be able to find somebody to mate with and pass on their genetics so that's roundabout what happens when you open up a hive and find that many drones um, queens are are difficult to find um, a new queen virgin queen uh, she'll run and hide in the corner of a box she'll find a crack to hide in she'll wander in between two pieces of comb on the same uh, on the same frame she's a sneaky little critter and when you hold up a frame and you're looking at it um, she is heading for the dark so she'll go to the other side and when you flip over the the frame she'll actually go to the other side again so uh, they're they're sneaky little critters and uh, you need to be on the ball to find them so that's i guess a good venture into this um, understanding basic bee biology and behavior so again what we've learned today is whole bunch of stuff about insects we've learned about beneficial or pest and we've talked a little bit about what the cast looks like so the worker the drone and the queen so hopefully that has been helpful to you um, I threw out in some stuff that's uh, a little more advanced and uh, and some interesting little tidbits about the queen and about uh, each of the other two and uh, hopefully you have picked up one or two good things from it and more to come <laughs> so thank you for listening today and we will chat with you soon And welcome to Friends of Brother Adam. My name is Dennis and I'll be your host today. We are going to be chatting a little bit more about certified beekeeping technician. Of course, uh, I need to tell you that at the end of this uh, bunch of recordings, you're definitely not going to be receiving a certificate. However, this is for your own use and, and learning. And I hope you guys uh, take advantage of this and uh, um, pick up some of the stuff that that uh, comes from the actual course material and from some of my experiences I really enjoy doing this for you guys and and I'm hoping that uh, it is creating some value for you um, I would like to encourage you to drop by my patreon site um, details will be put in later and <laughs> not right now put in later for um, how to get onto my patreon site um, again i've set the uh, limit to five dollars a month and uh, it's more or less just uh, people showing me that they appreciate uh, what i do and and uh, the effort that i put into these uh, these lessons um, i am a beekeeper of six some years and i have um, 
at uh, many times been up to 50 hives. Um, I consider myself uh, a sideliner, which is uh, a little bit more than a hobby, but a little bit less than um, one of these super big places. Um, and uh, I don't necessarily, like I have gone out and tried uh, pollination. Um, however, with the uh, small amount of hives that I had, pollination was rather rough. Um, and I didn't have all the equipment that I needed in order to uh, transport and, and do all the things that I needed to do. So um, I have left pollination and gotten more into um, trying to uh, raise queens and sell queens um, in in the beekeeping business the money is not in making honey uh, the money is um, you, you get lost in making money with uh, pollination contracts um, you start making business decisions that aren't necessarily good for the bees but they're good for your bottom line and uh, it, that's just the nature of the business um, and uh, when you're when you're in the breeding area when you are uh, making hives when you're making queens and uh, selling them you're a little bit more into the <laughs> um, into the genetics into taking care of the bee because the bee is your business and unless you have really good genetics unless you have really good hives that you're selling unless you're able to control the diseases and things that are coming through you don't have return customers so that's where i am and that's that's where i'm coming from however as i've been teaching beekeeping I have been able to teach from several different methods. Um, I, I have had uh, students who were, as I call them, total granolas. Um, they uh, are there for, literally just there for the bees. Um, they want to leave the honey to the bees. They want to do things as naturally as you can, essentially mimic the tree. And they want to, um, uh, decrease the amount of treatments that they do to their bees and, and a lot of times they'll just let the uh, the diseases and illnesses kill off their bees and go you know um, get new bees and uh, in in the hopes that somehow they're building some sort of resistance to the uh, uh, illnesses that the bees have and to the pests that the bees are are uh, suffering and, and that somehow you'll get strong bees and if you have a hive that comes through a, a certain illness then you are strengthening the uh, the genetics and the uh, selection of the bees and uh, I've taught them how to do beekeeping I have gone and taught uh, people who honestly just want two or three hives and they want to throw flow hives on and not do anything with the bees um, I've taught uh, uh, some people how to how to raise hives and stuff and they've gone out and actually started doing the pollinations and good on them <laughs> and uh, they're making more money than I am obviously um, but uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm just kind of stuck here right now um, learning how to um, be a better uh, <laughs> a better bee rancher I guess <laughs> and uh, and learning how to assemble um, 
hives and cell hives and, and um, figuring out how to have better genetics and, and which, which bees that I want, which uh, type of bees that I want, and, and um, figuring out how to encourage uh, the queens to um, be raised and to, to be able to sell queens as well as my, my hope. So anyways, that's where we're coming from. That's where we are. Um, and uh, I'm doing this right now at, uh, <laughs> I'm doing this right now in my, in my spare time at um, where I am employed. And uh, so just to give you an awareness of where I am doing this, um, I don't necessarily have control over um, telephones ringing and uh, other things happening because um, I have to be available for the, the, the business. However, I have a lot of spare time that I'm able to um, double task and, and be able to teach you guys while I'm sitting here. So um, I apologize in advance if you hear bedoops or rings or that kind of stuff and hopefully um, I can maybe edit them out, but I'm really not good at the editing just yet. So I'm, I'm working on it. We're getting there. And uh, hopefully we can have a, a really good time here and, and that you guys can learn things. Um, we are going to go all the way back to the basics today. We're going to start on a new uh, area. This is B9. Um, demonstrate understanding of basic bee biology and behavior. And for some people, you know, this is not the most funnest time. <laughs> and I use that term as my, uh, my honey uses it. <laughs> she likes to have interesting English. But this is not the, the you know, greatest time. Um, as, as a a medic when I was learning uh, um, anatomy and physiology oh that was just like pull my teeth out please pull my hair out something because <laughs> this is just boring as hell but it's the basis of uh, what you're going to be doing with your bees and so if you don't understand um, some of the processes and why they're important and why they're important for you to understand then really what ends up happening is is you aren't doing what's best for the bees so lend an ear and if you're a veteran beekeeper you probably know most of this stuff but there might be a tidbit of stuff here and there that you might be able to pick up so we will without further ado jump into it <clears throat> so we're going to be talking about, in general, what is a bee. So a bee is an animal, it's an insect, um, it's livestock, right? It's uh, um, uh, one of God's creatures that uh, has a definite um, responsibility and need in the environment. Um, it, it wasn't a mosquito that, you know, God just kind of said, hey, let's screw with people and let's make this awful blood-sucking animal. Um, but no, bees are, are very useful. Um, they are a type of insect that, that 
um, is um, I don't know it's one of it's insects are the largest group of organisms on earth and and bees are quite a large number of that um, and they are measured either in the number of individuals or the number of species um, and so you know when we look at bees we're not just looking at that bee on that flower we're looking at bees in a group as an organism and there are thousands of bees in that organism um, Bees tend to break down their tasks um, by ages. So if you have a young um, house bee, uh, that's usually less than two weeks of age since he came out of his cocoon. And he, that bee, and it should be a she, not a he, that bee is um, one that goes and takes... Um, nectar and puts it where it needs to go that bee is one that feeds the queen with uh, royal jelly that bee is you know has so many different things that, that that age of bee does but if you were just to look at that age of bee it does not do all of the different things that a bee does so it's it's measured as a lot of times as an organism. You can look at them individually, you can treat them individually, however it just doesn't make any sense. 95% um, of all animal species on the earth are insects. Insects are found everywhere on the planet's surface from very cold to very warm regions. Social insects, and that's what we're talking about with bees, make up about as much as 20% of the total animal biomass of the planet. Insects are very diverse in size, form. Insects vary from 0 0.01 millimeters up to 30 centimeters in length of wingspan. So quite a, quite a difference there. All insects have four common characteristics. They have three body parts six jointed legs, two antennae, and an exoskeleton. Okay, so if we were to sit down and, and talk about all these different characteristics, um, the fact that they have three body parts, their, their body is separated into those three body parts, um, and the six jointed legs are are very important as well. We'll see that in a little bit. Um, two antenna and an exoskeleton. And bees do have an exoskeleton on um, their legs and on um, their head. And yeah, so th they do have an exoskeleton. Some insects are beneficial. Some are pests. Most are neither. So, <laughs> yeah, um, bees are beneficial. Bees can be pests. <laughs> and uh, spiders and mites are not insects. They fall under a different class. So we're supposed to talk about insects that can be found locally. And we're supposed to talk about whether they can be beneficial or a pest.
So already we've talked about uh, mosquitoes. <laughs> mosquitoes are a damn pest <laughs> and they carry diseases and I really don't know if they really do any good other than accidentally pollinating some flowers. <laughs> they, they really don't do the pollination. Their whole entire thing is uh, um, getting enough blood meal so that they can um, produce babies. Um, and uh, of course we've talked about bees a little bit. Um, what are some other insects? Let's just, I don't know. I, I really like the praying mantis. And uh, I don't know if a praying mantis can be uh, a pest. I suppose it can if, if it gets into your cereal or <laughs> goes to places where it shouldn't be. Um, but uh, praying mantises keep down insect populations because they eat a ton and dang they're just cool they're my favorite insect <laughs> just from their looks they're just like <laughs> really cool um uh, i don't know beetles you look at beetles um beetles when they're when they're larvae. Um, beetles will uh, eat dead carcasses. They will, um, they're, 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 uh, they're both a pest and also beneficial. Um, flies. Uh, flies dispose of uh, dead things as well as larvae and uh, they're partially beneficial but then again they're definite pest you know <laughs> I've had uh, fly murdering sprees in my household the old newspaper comes out and we go after the flies so yeah they're definitely a pest um, wasps are wasps a pest and this is something as a beekeeper that really becomes um, it really wakes you up okay so wasps are a species that we call an indicator species so they indicate that something is going wrong in your hive if you're having a wasp problem it's not necessarily because there are tons and tons of wasps out there it might be but it's not necessarily that there are a um, hundred different hives all over the place and they're just attacking your bees. No, they're an indicator species. So if you see um, that the bees are allowing the wasps to go in and uh, raid the hives out, what that should tell you is that particular hive is dead and it doesn't know it. <laughs> um, and uh, you can rescue a hive from wasp um, ravages and you can try and, and bring it through its problems. Um, one of the w ways that we do that is we uh, stop up the hive and we put the hive, so we put a screen in front of the entrance and we block off the hive but have air circulation still going through the hive and we put it in the dark. And any wasps that are still in there, the bees will get them, roll them, ball them up and kill them. And you leave them in the dark in a in a dark cool place for three to five days 
Um, you can put a feeder on top and feed them so that they aren't using up their stores because more than likely their stores are pretty low. And uh, you can keep them there from three, three to five days without any problem. And then I would take them and put them in a place that is, was not their usual place. So I would move them to another apiary. And uh, what you're doing there is, first of all, you're stopping the, the wasps from ravaging. And what wasps do inside of a hive is they go in and they're after the brood. Um, very rarely will they just snack on the honey. Um, they're after the brood because here's the dealio with uh, wasps is um, they have to be incentivized to do what they do to raise their children. Um, they're really not good parents. Um, the babies have to bribe them with uh, something akin to royal jelly. Um, and the babies only give off that royal jelly to them if they bring them protein. So wasps go out and bring back protein to their babies and get that sweet yummy stuff and it just they go back out and go get some more protein because they just love that yummy stuff. So um, when a wasp goes into your hive, it's after the babies. So you're going to have to, with that hive, you're going to have to encourage uh, baby making afterwards. So you're going to be encouraging it by putting protein in the hive, which is a protein patty. You're going to be encouraging them to stay in the hive and their, or <laughs> rear their brood by adding uh, um, sugar or, or sugar water in the hive. Um, so that they don't have to go outside and find it and they can use more of their workforce inside the hive in order to increase the population. Um, and whether it was because of disease that the population dropped down low enough that the, the wasps weren't being uh, balled up immediately or, or chewed up immediately upon coming in or whether or not it was um, just that it's a really young hive and, and had too many openings that it couldn't guard or whatever it may be. Um, um, once you increase the population, most times you decrease the need to um, hide them again away from wasps because they now have the ability to kick them out. So that's one of the mind changes that comes about when you start looking at whether or not they're beneficial or not beneficial. Um, wasps are beneficial in that they signal that something's wrong with that hive. And um, unfortunately, we as beekeepers, we can't go and smell what's going on in the hive because a lot of the information that's happening in the hive happens from pheromones and the smell in the hive. Um, we can't really sense the vibrations in the hive and some of the communication happens through vibrations inside the hive. We really are a very outside um, entity from that hive and so in order for us to be able to understand the needs of our livestock we're going to have to need to use these indicator species that help us understand what's going on in the hive. And we also worry about uh, behavior of the insects, so that really gives us an idea. Um, all right. Given samples of honeybees, paper and pen, and magnifier, identify the cast of 
each sample, discuss the anatomy of the honeybee, and explain the functions of each body part. Okay, so this is going to be difficult over a podcast. So um, I, I guess the best thing I can do is, is just go through and kind of describe what you're going to be looking at. So I'm going to want you to pull up on your internet browser um, different casts of bees. And cast is spelled, let me see here. Uh -uh -uh. C-A-S-T-E. So it's not a it's not a regularly used <laughs> English word, so cast C A S T E. And um what I'm going to do is I am going to pull from Beekeeping for Dummies, which is the first book that I actually bought. <laughs> with uh, beekeeping because well you know it's um it's bubblegum and popsicles it's it really goes over the brief thing it's not actual real food um the real the real meat of the the um beekeeping however it is definite bubblegum and popsicles and and it'll it'll get you interested in it and get you working on it so here it says there are three different casts of workers or three different castes. There's the worker, queen, and the drone, and they make up the total population of a beehive. Each has its own characteristic and roles and responsibilities, and upon closer examination, the three types of bees even look a little different. They, they look a lot different, let me tell you. Um, and being able to distinguish one from another is important. So let's talk a little bit about the queen. Um, it says here, Her Majesty the Queen Bee, let there be no mistake about it, the Queen Bee is the heart and soul of the co colony. She is the reason for nearly everything the rest of the co colony does. Um, I would take umbrage with that, but let's, let's continue and I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit later about that. Um, the Queen is the only bee without uh, which the rest of the colony cannot survive. That is true. With Without her, your hive is sunk. And um, without her, if you do have eggs and you're and they're able to change what they're feeding the, uh, the, the larva, um, they're able to make an emergency queen. Um, but that will set your hive back a month, month and a half. So, um, and up here in Canada, time is life for bees. So, and having a good quality queen means having a strong and productive hive. And that's why, for example, what I'm trying to do, you know, breeding queens and selling queens and breeding colonies and selling colonies, if I can find a hive that has a good queen, I will make um, uh, baby queens off of her genetics all day long because that will get me the best queen that I can possibly have. Um, only one queen leaves, lives in a given hive. And that's not true. You can have mother and daughter, but she is the largest bee in the colony with a long, graceful body. Oh my gosh. She is the only female with developed ovaries, yes, and the queen 
The queen's two primary purposes are to produce chemical scents that help regulate the colony and the colony and the unity of the colony and to lay eggs, lots of them. She's capable of producing more than 1,500 eggs a day at 30 second intervals. That many eggs are more than her body weight. So as she's making them, <laughs> you know, in a day, those many eggs are more than her body weight. Now let's go over some of the inconsistencies here. Only one queen lives in a hive? No, you get uh, mother-daughter pairs and you get the, the bees will actually sequester a, a queen until she's needed and uh, or until they want to swarm. So they'll actually um, put the lid back over top of the, the queen and keep her stuck in that, uh, that um, cell until she is needed for a swarm or until she's needed. And they'll open it up and they'll feed her and then they'll close it back up and keep her there. Um, also, a mother-daughter pair will happen in a colony where um, the bees haven't been able to swarm. And so the mother works in one area, the daughter works in another area, and they've got enough of the common scent that they don't really, you, you know, end up fighting. And so uh, you do get that. And you can put in a hive, if you separate with a queen excluder, um, with a little bit of space in between the queen excluder and put another queen excluder, um, you can have one hive on top of the other hive and have queens in both of them. So, and, and, but the hive is joined and the hive shares workers and the hive can really, the, the double hive can really progress well. So it's not necessarily true that you have only one queen in, in the hive. Um, her body, if, if I had to sit and describe her body, um, she has a long backside and a pointed backside. And then her wings are smaller than what you would think a body like that would need. Um, and why that is, is because the queen um, doesn't come to the hive that way. The queen comes to the hive um, from mating and she's smaller and uh, after mating then her abdomen uh, fills out and, and then um, in long, or gets longer and fills out and uh, you'll also know, notice that on her back she has a kind of a bald spot on her thorax on the, the middle part of the body of the three sections and that is because the it's usually covered with uh, little tiny bee hairs but the bees tend to pluck it off and uh, and then um, another characteristic that you will find is that um, and, and this is not actually a characteristic of her but a characteristic of how the other bees treat her is they will be pointed a lot of times the bees will be pointed towards her and she'll be in the center of a group of bees and the bees will be coming up and, and licking her body and taking that pheromone from the lick and going back and putting it in the rest of the hive passing it on to other bees chewing it in the wax and so they constantly preen her and lick her and feed her and uh, take care of all of her needs so that's a queen let's talk a little bit about a worker bee now queen bee of course is a fertilized 
um, fertilized bee. And um, let's go back to, to Queen. She has mated with up to 15 different mates, 15 different males. And she um, is able to make both uh, worker bees and she is able to lay eggs for males. Okay, so the worker bee is not fertilized. It is a not fertilized female bee. And the majority of the highest population consists of worker bees. Like the queen, worker bees are all female. Workers are smaller than a queen. Their abdomens are shorter. And on their hind legs, they possess pollen baskets, which the queen does not. Um, and they are used to tote pollen back from the field. Now, they're not actually baskets. We like to, we like to term them baskets because that's as best as we can describe them. They're actually just a, a group of hairs that are used to contain with inside, inside the, the curvature of the hair, the pollen inside of there. So um, they're used, um, they are like the queen, the worker bee it has a stinger. Oh, and that's something that we forgot to talk about with the queen. The queen's stinger is a straight stinger. So when the queen stings, she only stings one of her sisters. So she'll usually only sting another queen. And because of that, she doesn't want to lose her stinger because when a bee loses their stinger, it usually pulls out their guts with them, uh, with the stinger. And so a lot of times that causes bee death. So the queen is very important. You don't want to kill her off. So her, her, her stinger does not have a barb. The worker bee's stinger is like two, I guess you'd put, uh, it's like uh, two steak knives put back to back so that the jagged areas are pointed out. And uh, when this, when the worker stings you, there, um, those two steak knives uh, kind of saw back and forth and um, and it works independently of the bee's body so when the stinger goes in the skin and the bee pulls away it continues to work it has a muscle behind it that continues to work and that pulls the stinger deeper and deeper into the victim and um, along with that stinger uh, poison sac gets pulled out and that's one of the reasons why the bee dies is because it, it essentially rips out its guts type of thing and uh, and that poison sac keeps pumping so it's pumping the whole time that the the um, the steak knives are, are going back and forth and digging deeper and deeper into the skin so um, if you can get it out sooner than later that's a good thing and um, if you can scrape it so that you don't squish the venom sack and squish this, the venom into you, that's even better. Um, so I guess you just, you just notice the worker bee as the most <laughs> common bee inside of a hive that you're looking at. When you're looking at a, at a flower with a bee landing on it, um, the, uh, you won't find a drone, a boy bee, usually on a flower at all. Um, drones are kind of lazy and they eat back at the hive. They don't eat at the flower. So 
um, usually you won't find a drone on the flower and that's another reason why they are so important is they are the worker class they are the ones that go out and do all the the work and the business and uh, yeah they're they're essential to a hive um, another thing that you need to know about workers is workers tend to be um, workers tend to be the ones that are actually in charge of the hive I, I know that when we talked about the queen we said that she's in charge of the hive because she gives off pheromones that pheromones gets passed around the hive but the the workers are actually in charge of the hive they're the ones who decide whether or not the queen is laying whether or not the queen looks and smells good um, if your queen ends up missing a leg or two they'll actually say okay queenie you're done um, you know um, if she was not mated properly and the workers start noticing that she's only putting out drones uh, they'll get rid of her too um, if she is mated with one of her brothers so she is cross mated with somebody that um, or with a bee that she has uh, um, infertile eggs they figure that out by the smell of it and they remove the eggs and a lot of times they'll get rid of the queen as well as soon as they can find uh, um, an egg that will be a suitable replacement queen so they are actually the ones in charge so <laughs> let's jump on to the drone bee the only male bee in the colony is a drone um, drones make up a relatively small percentage during during the year however they do increase in percentage during a certain part of the year and that's when they are needed um, actually they're they're made several weeks before they're needed so that they have um, full maturity by time the queen catches up to them um, new beekeepers often mistake the drone for a queen because the drone is quite a big bee but he is larger and stouter than a work bee um, his butt is kind of rounded instead of pointed like the queen is and uh, he's shaped more like a barrel than the queen um, queen is kind of thinner and has a tapered uh, end to her um, the drone's eyes are huge and seem to cover his whole entire head. He doesn't forage for food from flowers like we were talking about. He has no pollen baskets. He doesn't help with the building of the comb um, uh, because he has no wax producing glands. Okay, so essentially they're built for one purpose. Um, that's mating. Nor can the drone bee help defend the hive. He has no stinger. And that's one of the reasons why we, um, as uh, teachers of beekeeping, encourage you to pick on the drones. So um, one of the things that we end up doing in beekeeping is a lot of times we'll have to capture the queen. And it, it's a difficult thing to do. And so we encourage our students to, to practice on catching drones because they don't have a stinger and we also practice um, marking bees with excuse me the bee marking pens 
Um, a lot of times you mark your queens with a like a white dot or a yellow dot or a different colored dot depending on the year and um, we encourage our, our students to, to practice on drones um, because you can actually drown your queen in ink and that's not a good thing because queen is a one-of-a-kind thing and you'll set your hive back a whole entire month and a half if you drowned your queen that way so been there done that you don't want to do that <laughs> um, so and and that's this is something that I didn't really understand is that they don't have wax producing glands wow so uh, bees produce wax on on the bottom of their body on a plate and then they pull off of the plate that that flake and they chew it and they make the wax so so drones don't do that um, he has no stinger, um, an organ inside the queen called a spermatheca, uh, I can't ever say this, spermatheca, Sperm spermatheca, yeah, there we go, spermatheca, is the receptacle for the sperm. The queens will mate with several drones, 15 um, or more, during their nuptial flight. After mating with the queen, the drone's most personal apparatus is torn away and the bee falls to its death. So literally drones are made for one thing mating and uh, drones are an expense that the hive does not make lightly um, so they will not grow um, they will not have drones around unless it's something that's needed and it's a myth that during the winter time the workers chase out all of the drones and don't let them back they do chase out a few but um, because nature is the way that it is it wants to have some insurance so sometimes it will keep drones over the winter in the hive and that's that's just nature's way of ensuring that that things go correctly um, what happens if they get to the spring and um, their queen ends up dying in the spring and they have um, a few eggs they will need to have a, a drone already done because you know they they uh, they need to be able to have something to mate the new queen even though it's not mating season just yet so <laughs> yeah so they will have 15 or 20 some drones hanging around inside the the hive just in case so that's that that's something that you need to know about drones and and looking at the drones um they're they're they've got um they're they're very fuzzy bees <laughs> so they don't necessarily have the uh bald spot as the queen does on the thorax however it is a darker area and um, occasionally um, when they are being pushed out of the hive occasionally the the workers will actually start picking the um, hair off the <laughs> drone just to piss it off to get it out of the hive so <laughs> um, yeah it's it's one of the things that we uh, <laughs> that we see so that's kind of an explanation of what they look like um, and it's really hard to do over a podcast, but it gives you an idea that when you poke your head in a hive and you start looking at um, 
at frames and stuff, you'll start realizing, okay, yeah, that's that's a drone, that's a queen, that's a worker, and you'll be able to, to pick them out. And unfortunately, you need to be in your hive every other day and checking things out and trying to find the queen as much as you can, um, just so that you recognize what the queen looks like. It really helps the newbie beekeepers if you put a dot on your queen um, so that they can go, oh, I'm looking for a red dot this year. Okay, let's look for a red dot on a bee. Oh, there it is right there. It makes it a whole lot easier to find. Um, however, um, you as a beekeeper cannot rely on something like that um, in order to recognize your your the sex of your bees. Um, you will, and I promise, you will get to the point where you will notice the queen by the action of the other bees around it. You will notice the queen because something just jumps out at you and says, there's the queen. I don't know what it is, but um, I've been able to um, go up to a swarm that is just hanging on a tree and uh, observe it for a little bit. And sometimes the queen comes to the surface outside of the ball and you're like, oh, there she is. And you'll be able to just pick her up and put her into a queen cage, put her inside the, uh, the nuke that you're going to be pouring all the bees into and slide the nuke over and put the lid on it. And they'll figure out that they don't have a queen and then they'll start looking for the queen. They'll find her in the box and everybody will go into the box. So, I mean, you'll get to the point where you're able to just go, oh, there it is. And be able to grab the queen and, and take care of the queen and put her in a, a queen box and, and put her away. Um, other, other times, you know, you can open up a hive and go, holy cow, there are at least 400 drones in here. Hmm, wonder what's happening in this hive. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if, if you have a laying worker, and that's another another little tidbit if workers decide that they want to become a queen because the queen has left or something like that workers are able to lay eggs um, however they have not been fertilized so the only eggs that they're able to lay are drones and that's a way of perpetuating the uh, um, the genes of the hive is they put out a lot of drones and the drones will just sit there with the queen or with the uh, with the workers and they'll munch up the honey until the honey's all gone and and hopefully in the meantime they'll be able to find somebody to mate with and pass on their genetics so that's round about what happens when you open up a hive and find that many drones um, queens are are difficult to find um, a new queen Virgin Queen, uh, she'll run and hide in the corner of a box. She'll find a crack to hide in. She'll wander in between two pieces of comb on the same uh, on the same frame. She's a sneaky little critter. And when you hold up a frame and you're looking at it, um, she is heading for the dark. So she'll go to the other side. And when you flip over the, the frame, she'll actually go to the other side again. So uh, they're, they're sneaky little critters and uh, you need to be on the ball to find them. So that's, I guess, a good venture into this um, understanding basic bee biology and behavior. So 
Again, what we've learned today is a whole bunch of stuff about insects. We've learned about beneficial or pest. And we've talked a little bit about what the cast looks like. So the worker, the drone, and the queen. So hopefully that has been helpful to you. Um, I threw out in some stuff that's uh, a little more advanced and, uh, and some interesting little tidbits about the queen and about uh, each of the other two. And uh, hopefully you have picked up one or two good things from it and more to come. <laughs> so thank you for listening today and we will chat with you soon.